Chapter 9 of Arona Training The next day, Marin was feeling better and was able to come with us down below to see the Toronto captives. In her talks with Drew, she told him that she taught applied linguistics and was a real history buff. Growing up in South Africa, she had learned much from her father, a well-known and respected historical author and scholar. We hoped she could tell us a little bit about these mysterious men and where they came from. I eat a pie in color, one of them finally said after Marin tried speaking to him in several different languages. He obviously didn't like it and pulled on his hands that were locked in the stockades, spitting at her. I'm going to guess he just called me a big Elden whore. <laughs> they seem to be speaking an ancient Mesoamerican dialect. Um, the, the word Taronk could be translated to mean Maya. I mean, that's what some of them called themselves before the Spanish arrived, she said, looking at them anxiously. Their appearance seems to match what I know of the Mayans. Um, these, these men look like jaguar warriors, a type of elite Mayan fighting force that specialize in capturing enemies. Their tattoos here and here represent many known Mayan gods and characters. Wait, you're talking like the Mayans, like the actual Mayans, Drew asked. Yeah, it makes me wonder if this could somehow be related to the mystery behind the Mayans. They went from being such a powerful and advanced culture, similar to the ancient Egyptians, and then one day, they were gone. Entire complex cities became ghost towns of the jungle. But they are from Earth, said Cubby hopefully. That's great. Maybe their king knows a faster way home, through some kind of portal or something. The same way we came here? I'm not sure if these guys are willing to help us. They don't seem too friendly, Marin said, jumping back as another one tried to bite her before spitting on her and mumbling something. I'm afraid she's right. The Taronks help no one, agreed Steve Odin. He gently guided Marin away from the stockades as a messenger handed him a note. These warriors are here for one reason only. To find more sacrifices for their so-called god king, Akat. Now please, follow me. We followed him towards one of the main platforms as he read the note. Where are we going? Asked Cubby, his voice thick with frustration. I need to get home. The king has returned and would like to speak to you now. We rode the platform back up into the city and followed Steve Odin into the throne room where we had first met the king. We then climbed up a grand staircase that went into additional rooms high above. We walked through several long halls draped with detailed tapestries passing through several sets of doors opened by Elden guards. Each passageway was lined with the Elden flag. The flag was black with the Elden coat of arms in the center, which featured a large bright blue eagle. The magnificent eagle's wings were pointed upward and it held a multicolored banner in its talons, which we learned represented all the different ancient Elden tribes. We eventually entered a small round room with a high egg-shaped ceiling and small paneled windows all around. The king stood at a large round table in the center of the room, looking over some old parchment with many of his other high-ranking officials. When he saw us enter, he dismissed all but one of them. I am sorry for my absence. As you know, these are dark times on Arona, he said, looking back down at his papers. Just when we think we're safe again, another attack takes place. We understand, Drew replied. We're glad you returned safely in. He was cut off by Cubby, who stepped forward, grabbing the king by the hand. 
He fell to his knees. King Elden, please, please tell us how we return back to our planet. I, I have a family that needs me, and I must return right away. The king looked startled, and then compassionate, as he looked down at the cubby's desperate eyes. I sympathize with you. Unfortunately, it is not that easy. I'm afraid I don't know much about the matter. All I can do is send you to Nidonia, something I am reluctant to do again. Like I said before, this is where I sent Henry, and I have never heard from him again. I can only hope he made it home safely. The journey is a perilous one, and one I don't think you should take. To be frank, I'd be surprised if you made it there alive. Aruna is a very large world, full of many kingdoms who don't take lightly to any type of trespassing. I looked up at the marvelous painting on the vaulted ceiling that depicted the history of the Elden, their gathering and the building of this great city and triumphant victories over the Tronks on the backs of their majestic eagles. Is it not possible to fly on your eagles? I asked. I'm afraid not. Only Elden can ride Elden eagles. You see, when an Elden eagle is born, it is matched with an Elden boy or girl of the same age. They are raised side by side and stay together for life. Only that Elden can ride his or her eagle. Once the Elden man or woman dies, their eagle dies shortly after. Besides, if you're parting me stating the obvious, you're much too big. He turned and softly stroked the gray feathers of his eagle, who sat perched on a decorated stand next to him. You must go by land. The Comras are strong enough to carry you. They can carry two of us. However, you'll have to spend some time learning to ride them. Henry became quite an accomplished rider. <laughs> it took some effort, but he learned. The tall Elden we had seen riding the fox-like creature on our journey to the city stepped forward, removing his blue beret and nodding his head at the king. This is Trendon. I'm putting him in charge of helping you find your way home. He is one of our finer warriors and has made long journeys for me before. I've instructed him to stay with you until you reach your destination. Leafen will also join you. He motioned toward the back of the room. The scruffy little Elden we had captured at our camp stepped out from behind a small cabinet where he had been hidden. He volunteered for this mission. I think he's taken a liking to you. He's a fantastic scout and one of the best shots with a blowgun I have ever seen. Thank you, Great King, said Cubby, feeling slightly embarrassed. He stood up and bowed awkwardly. Do you know when we might leave? Hmm, the king mused, turning and looking out the window down at the pastures below. I'd say at least a week of training on the Combra should give you enough skills to flee any attack. Your brother, on the other hand, isn't fit to be carried by a wagon, let alone ride a Combra. Besides, you won't be able to take any wagons where you're going. This means you'll need to wait until your brother has healed before he can train. In the meantime, I think it's a good idea for you all to prepare with Trendon. He is an expert rider and skilled with all our weapons. You will need to be able to defend yourselves. I can't stress enough just how dangerous it is beyond our walls. In fact, I hope you will change your minds and decide to stay. You are most welcomed here. Thank you again, King Elden, but I will not rest until I find a way home to my family, replied Cubby. And I know Jack would agree. He has three girls to get home to. The king looked disappointed. 
Very well. Good luck with your training. You should not waste any time. For the next two weeks, we spent every waking moment training with Trendon. He was a man of few words, but had great skill and determination. He had jet black short hair, all warm black leather clothing and long leather boots, and always wore the blue beret. The Comoros were much larger than the Elk of Earth. They had black stone-like antlers that formed a near solid wall on top of their heads, and they used them to crush through branches and brush, clearing the way through any rough patches of the wilderness. At first, it was really difficult and a little scary riding them, as none of us except Drew had spent any time on a horse. By the end of the third day, however, we were running at full speed and leaping over boulders, streams, and small canyons. It was terrifying, but exciting at the same time. Trust the Comra! Trender would bark over and over. The Comra were so powerful that they could easily leap over 20 feet with us on their backs. The Eldons used a simple saddle and stirrups, which they were able to alter to fit us. Attached to the rough leather saddle was the Elden weapons of choice, the blowgun, a long spear, and a small bow. Not many Eldons used the bow and arrow, as they preferred the small yet potent blowgun, and a curved dagger that they each carried on their person. Trendon, what is this poison made from on these darts? Can it kill you if you get hit by too many? Asked Drew. Kill? No. Sleep? Yes. Not poison, but more potent tranquilizer. Only Elden have the recipe, not share with Earthman. Besides, you practice with bow and arrow much better. Trennan was a brilliant shot with his bow and arrow and never used the blowgun. We asked him why he preferred the bow and arrow over the blowgun and he simply said, With this, my enemy doesn't wake up. He was also a force to reckon with when he used his long spear. For as tall as he was, being maybe just above four feet in height, I didn't doubt his strength. I bet he could beat any of us in hand-to-hand combat. Surely me. Though I'm sure Drew would be a challenge for him. Eventually, we were each given Elden long swords, which were actually quite small, that we spent time training with at the end of each day. Drew was by far the best rider, and I was the best shot with a bow, though overall, we're all still pretty horrible. Ali became proficient with the blowgun, however, no one came close to the skill of Leafen, who never seemed to miss the bullseye. I think he must have been born with the blowgun in his mouth. He had been awarded by the king a special type of custom-made blowgun that only he had. It had beautiful etchings along the shaft and a multi-loading mechanism on the side that allowed him to shoot up to eight darts before he had to reload. He was very proud of it. Every night, Drew and Mary would spend time together, and I could tell they were becoming very close. Drew was completely smitten with her. She was really funny and had a spitfire personality that Drew couldn't get enough of. Marin made a quick recovery, and when she wasn't training with us, she was helping take care of some of the orphans from the village that was recently destroyed. Two orphans in particular, a small boy of five and his little sister of three, had grown very fond of her. Wherever Marin went, they were by her side. The only time she had been alone with Drew was on their nightly ride through the expansive pastures. I'm ready to learn how to ride, said Jack one morning, sitting up for the first time in days. We had been visiting him every night and telling him of our training. Are you sure? I asked. You're barely strong enough to sit up. I I think you need a little more time to recover, Jack. He stood up and started to put on some of the clothing that the Eldons had made especially for us. I'm fine, he insisted. We've got to get going. After just four days of training, Jack said he was ready. Trended disagreed, but Jack insisted that we leave, and Trended submitted. The next morning, 
we are instructed to meet at the King's Hall at sunrise. We were met by scores of Elden, lining the walkways and bridges all the way from our homes until we reached the hall. I had grown to love these people. They seemed so selfless and merry, always happy to share a drink and story and eager to help. Though hardly any of them spoke English, they would gather around in large groups at the Skyfires and ask us questions through their interpreters. I found myself not wanting to leave, but even though I didn't have a wife and kids to return to, I knew it was the right thing to do. It was my duty to help my brothers find their way home. My friends, said the old king as we approached his throne. Trendon tells me you have done well to learn our ways of battle, though he says you are not ready. It's true. We could use more training, but, but we're anxious to return to our families, replied Jack. I understand. I would give away my kingdom for another moment with my queen. She died many years ago, said the king, with a look of understanding in his wrinkled face. His eyes seemed on the brink of tears. Just then, men and women came out of the crowd with their hands full and walked over to us. We have prepared some special attire for your journey, said the king. This armor will help you keep safe and is made of our finest Eldenware, he declared as the men and women started helping us dress. He held up something in his hand. And these flasks are filled with a type of medicine called Arone. Use it sparingly and in time of need. Trendon will instruct you. Thank you, King Elden, I said. I have greatly enjoyed these past days spent with you all. I only wish there was more time. I always loved to hear more of your world. I used to love the stories Henry would tell me of his explorations. Is there anything else I can do for you? you you've done so much, and we're forever in your debt, I replied. Thank you again for letting our friends stay here in the safety of Elden. We will send word as soon as we found a way home. They are most welcome to stay as long as they desire. I wish you the best of luck on your journey home. We were lowered down the main avenue, and I watched as Marin cried when Drew embraced her and said goodbye. For the first time in his life, Drew thought he was in love. I could tell he wanted to stay, though he would never say it, not to us at least. Marin felt a strong connection with the two orphans she had been caring for, and wanted Drew to stay with her and live in the city of Elden forever. I think Drew would have done it if it wasn't for his fierce loyalty to his brothers. All he could do was promise to return. Ah, I'll watch over, said Geoff as he got off his Comra. Wait, what are you talking about? I asked from the top mine, who I had now named Spots because of his many black and brown markings. You're not coming with us? Nah. I'm too old for this. Plus, I just realized I love this place. I don't really want to go home. I live like a king here. No more working 12-hour shifts up in the cold. Uh, sorry, guys. I'll watch over her, though. Don't you worry. He gave a mischievous smirk and winked at Drew. Drew just shook his head and laughed. I'm coming back for you, said Drew, looking to Marin. I quickly turned and looked at him, shocked at what he said and wondering if he really meant to try to return one day. Horns blared and drums beat as cheers went up as all of Eldon came out to say their goodbyes. We mounted our comras and rode out of the main gates. Our party consisted of me and my brothers, Allie and Larry, Robert and Freya, Trendon, Leafen, and 14 other Eldon warriors atop their comras. As much as I knew we had to leave, 
Once we'd entered the dark shaded forest, filled with the sounds of mysterious creatures, I felt like we were making a mistake. I was sad to leave such a beautiful and peaceful city, and quickly remember the danger we were now in. I could only hope Trendon and his warriors could protect and help us find our way home. Our journey home had officially begun. <laughs>